Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District Podcast. I'd like to say that I'm joined by the number one German football journalist. He's a man who has got inside knowledge on transfers. He works for The Athletic. It's the one and only Raphael Honigstein. Raphael, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm not sure about uh, number one, maybe starting 11. <laughs> Too humble. Um, we, we United District are really excited to have you on. I think the reaction on Twitter when we sort of tweeted this out speaks volumes of your sort of popularity and, and prestige. So it's great to have you on and, and to welcome you onto the podcast. I'm sure it's been a very busy time for you lately. Uh, you know, the transfer window dates are now known. Football's back in its entirety. Have, have you been a busy man of recent? Yeah, it's been it's been really busy. I mean, not perhaps not quite as busy as when the Bundesliga was going on at the same time. Yeah, but uh, it seems to be a lot happening. Even though a lot of people thought that this summer is going to be quiet transfer wise, mm. and it might ultimately still be relatively quiet. But there's still a lot of sort of attempts and things going on which might work out or might not work out. So. Yeah, plenty of stuff to do, and I'm really looking forward to the Champions League coming back, although I'm not sure I can mention this on this pod. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, the Champions League, you know, hanging in the balance at the minute for United. So yeah, a bit of a touchy subject, that one at the minute. But we've got the Europa League to look forward to, at least, something that I'm sure Indeed. United fans will, will want to win nonetheless. Um, we'll dive straight in. We'll talk about a transfer that's actually already happened. That's Timo Werner, a man who's moved, obviously, from Leipzig to Chelsea. Some United fans perhaps a little bit dismayed at United, you know, you know, sort of letting this one go. Were United interested or did Chelsea have a free one at Timo Werner? Well, there were certainly other Premier League clubs interested. Um, it's well documented that he had talks with Liverpool that ultimately didn't happen. Uh, I believe there was interest from Manchester City, although how concrete that was. Uh, again, I'm not sure. I think City's transfer market moves will only really happen now that they are ensured to be in the Champions League uh, next mm. season. I'm sure United would have had a look at it um, and at him. I, I don't have concrete details of what they did or didn't do. But in, it's my opinion, and I, I think I said it a couple of times, that I, I don't necessarily see him as somebody fitting into the existing setup. I mean, I think you already have quite a few strikers who are quite comfortable to come in from the wings. Yeah, yeah. And he is exactly that type of guy. And, of course, you can put him on the right, but I think United have a different target in mind there. Uh, whether, <laughs> whether it'll happen or not is a different story. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, another man that Chelsea have been looking at, obviously this is a United podcast and it sounds like we're talking a lot about Chelsea already, but you know these things do sort of link to United intrinsically. Kai Havertz, a man who's been heavily linked with Chelsea, you know, perhaps murmurs of him coming to United, perhaps not as loud. What's the situation with him? Do you think he's on his way out of Leverkusen in the next window? It, it remains to be seen. I think he, he would like to move, but he is um, realistic, I think, about the prospect moving in the current climate um, with Leverkusen demanding a very high fee. They ultimately might price him out of the market. Uh, and that is, I think, um, something that, of course, he, he doesn't want. But uh, I think he's also yeah pragmatic enough to understand that it could happen. It depends who ultimately will, will put forward the money. I can tell you from a United perspective that there has been interest from United in the past. There have been talks. Mm. That's not unique to United. Um, his people have literally spoken to absolutely every big club yeah. in European football. Um, and I think at one stage, United was seen as a as a very attractive option. But as far as I know, that um, from United's side, uh, from United's point of view, I don't believe they've been pursuing him particularly uh, vigorously in, mm. in recent months. And uh, again, um, I think they have a different 
a target in mind who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a, in a, in a second or two. Yeah. Um, one sort of hang up with Kai Havertz, you know, it's been suggested is perhaps Champions League qualification. And, you know, some suggesting that perhaps that might not actually be a problem with Havertz. Do you think he's a player that demands Champions League football? Or do you think he'd be willing to go to a club who, who doesn't have that qualification? Look, I think it's we shouldn't read too much into these these stories because mm. Havertz, I think, not playing in the Champions League for Leverkusen next year might might certainly be a factor why he wants to leave. Leverkusen might still win the Europa League, of course, so who knows? But um, the flip side is, of course, that whoever club he goes to, if it's an English club and it's not Man United, uh, sorry, and it's not Manchester City or Liverpool they cannot necessarily guarantee him Champions League football mm. uh, because there is a fluctuation at the top. Yeah. And I think, again, he and his uh, advisors are very aware of the situation. Whether you're in or not, uh, you know, for a year or two, I don't think has any real bearings on mm. what he wants to do. Um, of course, it's easier, I think, to make the decision when you, when you know you're in the Champions League next year, but this is only a year. And I don't think that a, uh, you know, a contract that will probably run for five years, maybe four, will come down to whether a team is in a particular Champions League at any given moment in time. So I think the gist of the story that he would be prepared to go to a club that's not in the Champions League in itself uh, reflects just the, the pragmatism and the openness of him. But right. it also means, I think, that ultimately when it comes down to making a decision, and I believe he hasn't made a decision yet, it'll be one of the factors of it, but not perhaps the determining factor one way or the other. Mm. Another young player perhaps linked with the move away and someone that's been linked with Manchester United over the previous windows is Deo Upamecano, the, uh, the Leipzig centre-half. Centre-back a position that your Manchester United fans have been quite critical of recently, of, of Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof each getting quite a bit of stick. Can you see Upamecano coming to, coming to, first of all, the Premier League and secondly, you know, Manchester United possibly? I think it's a possibility. Um, he has, I believe, a release clause um, for €60 million, Euros, so give or take £55 million, pounds, which is not cheap but reflects, I think, his, his value and his potential. He hasn't had the best um, restart, I would say, uh, mm. and perhaps that's dampened the speculation a little bit. There are people in Leipzig who are very confident that he will sign a new contract, but it still hasn't happened, which makes me slightly less confident. Um, the one thing I think that would work in United or indeed anyone's favour is that some of the earlier links with Arsenal, which were real, mm. have... I wouldn't say gone away, but have seemed to be uh, trailed off a little bit simply because I think Arsenal are not necessarily in a position to, to spend that kind of money on him uh, this summer. They are um, percentage-wise more affected than any of the big teams in terms of how much revenue they will miss if stadiums remain empty. And I think that's one of the reasons why Arsenal would guarantee to miss out on the Champions League, maybe on the Europa League as well, um, are are going to be hard-pressed to, to make that kind of move. But, I mean, if I was United, I would certainly look at Upamecano mm. um, and see if, if I can make it happen. But I, I personally haven't heard anything about them specifically linking him to, 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 a, to a transfer. Yeah, fair enough. I think I think one man recently moving on to another club in in Germany, but Bayern Munich. A couple of players linked with a move away. One man who quite recently is you know the link sort of hotting up is Thiago Alcantara. You know you know very sort of linked with Liverpool, and then United have sort of been thrown into conversation in that we're looking at him. Do you think there's a good chance of that happening, or do you think you know is there a possibility of him staying at Bayern, or do you think Liverpool will sort of win the battle for him? I mean, the honest answer is I I really don't know. 
Um, mm. It's taken it's taken everyone at Bayern uh, as a surprise that he ultimately didn't renew his contract. Everything had been negotiated. Uh, they thought they had a deal. He was supposed to sign it and then turned around and, and said he wouldn't. Bayern, uh, the last I've heard, are still waiting for someone to actually show their hand and to, to see if he has something else lined up. It would be a logical um, you know, consequence of not signing a contract that you have something else lined up. But they haven't heard, as far as I know, they haven't heard from anyone. Yeah. So um, whether that means United is is a possibility, I, I don't know. I mean, what is well documented, of course, that is because before he moved to, to Bayern back in 2013, mm. when, when Guardiola made him his uh, marquee signing at Bayern, there was there was extensive contact with United at the time. And now whether that can be sort of rekindled or not, I don't know. But I think it's worth saying that both the rumours about Man United and Liverpool um, are, as far as I know, only rumours at the moment, which come from people at Bayern talking about possible scenarios of where he might go. But this is born, at least as far as I know, and that was the last I heard a few days ago, born from being in the dark uh, and and not really having heard from anyone. Um, I think for United it would be very interesting. Mm. But you would wonder how a midfield with Pogba, Fernandes and Thiago would look. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very um, mouth-watering and perhaps possible in in theory, but yeah, perhaps not the straightforward straightforward kind of setup um, that Mm. you could find. But I mean, he's a player that... If I was if I was in charge of any of the top European clubs, I would certainly try and get because he's he's wonderful and I think he transforms every team. Yeah, it's just the question of whether that sort of midfield three would have enough cover. I think really isn't it? It is at the sort of base of it does look like a good three on paper, but whether it sort of farewell you know against yeah. the bigger clubs is would be an interesting one. Um, another player at Bayern Munich's been linked with a move away is is David Alaba. Uh, Manchester United, of course, apparently recently looking at a, a sort of left-sided, left-footed centre-back. What's his situation at Bayern? Do you, do you think it looks like he's moving on? And where, where do you think sort of his future lies? Yeah, well, Bayern have tried and failed to renew his contract. He's got only uh, a year left. So it's coming to the stage where they might have to make a decision one way or the other. Um, everything I've heard so far would suggest that he prefers uh, Spain as a destination. Mm. But the two big Spanish teams are not in a position, or at least haven't been, to make that kind of deal. Um, and then ultimately comes down to, I think, if Bayern are prepared to let him go for free next year, or if they are desperate to, to sell him, at which point, you know, I think maybe his options will narrow and he might start contemplating going, going to England. But so far, everything I've heard is that it's not high on his agenda, uh, a move to the Premier League. Uh, if I was United, I think he'd be... He'd be a very good player um, mm. to to get, um, but I, I cannot tell you if there's been contact or not because I simply don't know. Yeah, from sort of potential ingoings to two players that Manchester United have missed out on. Someone who's travelling today, as far as I understand it, Drew Bellingham off to Dortmund, and um, you know I think linked to him, sort of Erling Haaland back in January. Two players. The United were sort of openly very interested in the two players that we thought we could sort of get our hands on, but have all obviously ended up at Dortmund. Um, how did this sort of happen? How have United let these two players slip? And do you think it's something that, that the club should sort of be worried about for, for future signings? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried. I think this is um, 
is a unique case, um, mm. a little bit different than, than Haaland, I think. With Bellingham, I think it ultimately came down to Dortmund just being able to offer a more proven track record when it comes to bringing through youngsters. I think United in the last few months have really shown that um, there are there are ways into the first team and I think uh, they will have encouraged a lot of players uh, not just at their own academy but around uh, the Premier League to see okay it can be done there are ways into this team but I think uh, for Bellingham the guarantee of, of Champions League football basically for every single year that he's going to be at Dortmund um, playing in front of the yellow wall at a very high standard but also being surrounded by, by attacking players and uh, under a coach that that has a, a real habit of improving attacking players individually mm. or creative players, I should say, in his case, yeah. is as a package combined with a um, very competitive remuneration package um, was just ultimately, I think, more tempting to him. And I think one factor which you know is completely beyond United's control, but I think which would, would have played a role as well, is going abroad not only I think builds the character and, and, and adds to your football knowledge and experiencing that, you know, that different league and, and different language and different country. But I think it also removes you from the spotlight. Uh, yes, of mm. course, people will still be looking at Dortmund and there'll be, you know, uh, people tuning in and there'll be people going over to, to see him, journalists, etc. But it's not quite the same as when you every single game is being evaluated and everyone's trying to see if you are um, justified in having that wonder kid tag and if you're not um, perhaps being overhyped and I was reminded of that when I saw some of the footage that uh, some of the reactions that greeted Raheem Sterling's move to Manchester City where like mm. a lot of people were saying oh overrated uh, paid too much money not worth it and I just imagine you know somebody in his shoes perhaps having gone to to a club abroad and just being a slightly more removed from this whole situation having a brought more more space and time to develop um, organically, if you will. And I think um, his his family are very aware of that. And that was one of the reasons why I think Dortmund seemed to be a better fit for him in this moment in time. Mm. Do you think this is a sort of a theme and something that's going to continue with young sort of English players now now moving abroad and specifically to the Bundesliga? Obviously, we've seen it already with Jaden Sancho and now with, you know, Jude Bellingham and, and you know, other players. Reese Nelson, for example, I think went out on loan to the Bundesliga. Do you think this is something that we're going to continue seeing with sort of young English talent, you know, whisking away to these foreign countries to try and sort of improve themselves and ply their trade? Well, I mean, Sancho has, has opened the, the doors um, to everyone. And it's, first of all, he's opened uh, opened everyone's eyes about the possibility of being out there. But of course, he's been so successful that I think more English te- um, and British teenagers will think about it. Um, they are being uh, increasingly targeted by, by German clubs because they understand that there is real quality coming through uh, at mm. academy level, but also that if they want to sign Sanchez and Bellinghams, they only can sign them when they're 17, 18, 19. After that, they're already too expensive. So I think they, they show up just at a time when some of these players are not necessarily guaranteed a certain pathway into the first team. And then traditionally would have perhaps gone on loan to the championship. But now you can go on loan and inverted commas to Dortmund playing the Champions League. So in a way, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say a no-brainer, but certainly... It, it really ticks ticks the boxes and, and fulfills many of these players' needs. And, of course, it helps helps Dortmund uh, with staying competitive and with, with building up their uh, their income, etc. If they can turn a, 
a 20 million pound player into a 100 million pound player in the space of two or three years. Mm. Moving back just on to Haaland, you say there about players sort of value massively improving. I think that th- this is a man that whose value is going to skyrocket. Obviously, a massive release clause, I believe, that comes into play next season. Am I right in saying that for Erling Haaland? Only in 2022. 2022, okay. So he's got a big release clause obviously coming active then. You know, in January he was available with a release clause. You know, perhaps a suggestion that United weren't even aware of this release clause in his Salzburg contract. Um, A player that I'm personally a massive fan of and someone that Ole obviously coached at youth level. Why do you think it it was the the move for him for Dortmund and, and not United? You say it's different to Bellingham. Yeah, I mean, United were very much aware of the release clause. I can assure you everyone was. That's right. why... The reasons why Minerala was touring uh, Europe in his private jet um, because everyone knew the price and then it came down to who made the best offer to the player. They didn't, no one had to negotiate with, with Salzburg as such. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the things I said, I think, are uh, about Bellingham are applicable to him. I think the difference here is that, um, A, you know, this is a guy who'd never played for a big club before and I think wanted to taste that big club um, feeling, emotion, etc., but not getting lost perhaps at a super big club where you're just a 19-year-old kid that comes with a big price tag and people look at you and think, you know, what are you doing here? And and again, I think Dortmund, um, thanks to Sancho, but others before them, you know, we're talking about um, uh, Dembele, for example, mm. um, or even Obama Young. I mean, just taking, taking players and taking them to the next level, whether they're very young or already slightly older, um, have just shown that they they bring out the best in players. They help players perform, and I think that is something that United are beginning to do again. But um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's fair to say that for a number of years, players moved to United and then didn't improve, mm. or some, yeah, or even yeah. regressed. Um, that might sometimes have been down to the players themselves, but sometimes perhaps getting lost in a system that wasn't quite working with managers that weren't really um, settled and and didn't last long and. All these things, I think, in this specific case for Haaland meant that Dortmund was just, again, a safer bet, um, but at a very high level. And uh, I, I can totally understand why, why he ultimately chose them. Uh, Bayern, for example, were also interested, um, but Bayern had Lewandowski and couldn't really pretend that there was no Lewandowski there. And I think with, mm. with Dortmund... Ha- being in need of a center forward they just didn't have a recognized forward at all at that stage it was just the easiest sell i think to him rather than for example if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying well you know we can see you and Rashford and Martial kind of all playing together mm-hmm. maybe not as defined a vision if you will of how he would have fit in as Dortmund were able to present yeah and it's quite strange with Haaland, I think, that, you know, this is a man that's just, just joined Dortmund back in January and we're already talking about, you know, some suggestions of him move, moving away, you know, obviously talk of that release clause that comes that comes into play in two, in two years. Um, do you see him ending up at a big club? Because I think, you know, there's a suggestion that Dortmund is sort of used as, as you've sort of alluded to, a stepping stone. And I think, you know, some have suggested that it's only a matter of time before United sort of get in with that Solskjaer link. Do you think, do you think that's sort of true and perhaps possible? That he will come, move on, you think? Or? Well, come to United with the release clause when it comes into play. In 2022? Yeah. Yeah, of course it's possible. I mean, I think, you know, the situation will be similar to the one we saw in January where he can basically pick from a lot of teams. Did this, that is, um, uh, you know, provided that everything in the wider landscape of football recovers financially. So 
you know, if this player is available for, let's say, for argument's sake, 75 million euros in two years' time, proven goal scorer is only then, what, 21, 22? Yeah. I think um, he, again, would be able to, to, to pick, really. Mm. Um, you know, Bayern might need a successor to Lewandowski. Um, Real Madrid might need a successor to Benzema. Juventus might need a successor to Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Barcelona might need somebody who replaces Messi, a different position, but the goals, you know, in terms of the goals that he can score. Mm. So I think um, it's by no means sort of a foregone conclusion that he'll definitely go to England and definitely go to United because everyone else, again, is going to is going to make their case and really push for his signature. Right. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we've danced around this name for a little while now, and I think it's only a matter of time before we sort of moved on to him. It's a man that's been massively linked to Manchester United. You know, all the talk of the sort of major transfers has sort of been around this man's name, Jaden Sancho, suggesting in the past few days from you that, you know, that he's set to return to the red half of Manchester for £110 million either this summer or, or next year for a little less. How sort of close are United to that deal? And, you know, how are the talks between Dortmund and United? Has there been direct contact over a sort of agreeing a fee? Um, I mean, it's difficult to say just how, you know, concrete negotiations are because they sort of happen to to be in in waves. You know, a club says something and then the other team says, OK, we'll talk to you again in a month's time. And then they may be increased their offer. The last I heard from Dortmund is that they are waiting for United to actually make the move. Right. Um, that there hasn't been a situation where United said, OK, here's our bid. This is the money. Uh, Dortmund, as you are aware, and as my colleagues from Sportbuild reported a few days ago, um, have kind of said to United or put out that they want a decision early, that they want United to basically come up with the money or just leave it. Um, it might not be in United's interest to do that, but that's the message that Dortmund are putting out. Mm. And I think they are, I don't want to say in the dark, but they are waiting just like everyone else is to see if United actually are prepared and able to right. make this happen this year because of the size of the fee, because of the complications of making such a huge transfer happen. Um, they're, they're waiting. And of course, United themselves, I think, are still waiting to see how much money they'll have uh, and that relates to being in a Champions League or not. And everything else before, I think, is is really just nuances that might change from one week to the other. But the big kind of the, the, the key decisions, the, the real movement in the transfer hasn't happened, as mm. far as I know, because it'll only happen if United turn up with the money. I think what is fair to say and I'm not, what the, I'm not the first one to say this, is that there does seem to be a willingness uh, in principle on behalf of the player to make the move. But yeah. he, um, like everybody else, is aware that, that Dortmund need to, be, um, you know, need to be satisfied that they're receiving the right money. And I think there is a possibility that ultimately, as it often happens in these massive cases or massive transfers, that... A transfer happens the second year because a lot of groundwork has been laid and then ultimately it doesn't happen in year one. And, you know, think back to Beckham or think back to Cristiano Ronaldo, these kind of deals, but they go through the next year. And I think that is a possibility um, that United will say, you know, it's not going to happen, but uh, for next year, this is the kind of money. 
and maybe they'll pay a little bit more than otherwise would be the market rate for somebody who's only got one year left. Mm. And Dortmund, I mean, I'm talking in hypotheticals, but yeah, I can yeah. see the scenario happening. And Dortmund could turn around to Sancho and say, "You look, we understand that you wanted to go this year, but it's not happening. We will raise your wages to to make up for that a little bit." That's what they did with Lewandowski, for example, to keep him happy in his last year at Dortmund. So. I think there are a lot of ways that this can be resolved, even if a resolution from United point of view does not happen this summer. Mm. You talk there about the sort of financial aspect of, of obviously getting the Champions League qualification. Do you think as a player that's something, you know, we've spoken about Havertz, you know, perhaps being open with or without Champions League football. Do, do you think Sancho's different in that case? Do you think he's someone that would require Champions League as a sort of factor to, to, to have at Manchester United? I don't know is the answer what his thinking is Mm. um i think that players and agents are i I go back to what i said earlier are quite pragmatic they understand that um, some clubs cannot necessarily guarantee championship football but i think what's more important is division you know you're signing for five years you're not signing for next year if you miss out on the Champions League this year by a point or so, that doesn't mean that United might not be more attractive to him than going to, for argument's sake, Chelsea, even though Chelsea are in the Champions League and United are not. So what I'm trying to say with this is that um, you know these deals are not, in my experience, hinging on what happens in any one particular season. No. So, of course, for United, Champions League football is, is very important in terms of the finances, but I don't think... Um, you know, moving Sancho out of the, out of this discussion, that a a particular player will not sign with United because United in this one year have missed out on the Champions League. I think you're either convinced by the club, by the financial package, by what mm. the manager is trying to do, by your teammates, or you're not. Um, what happens often or has happened in the past is that when you miss out on the Champions League, of course, you have to push a little bit harder. You have to pay slightly more. You have to kind of rep compensate the players even uh, at a certain extent for missing out that happened when when Bayern signed uh, Franck Ribéry in, in mm. 2007 when they missed out on the on the uh, on the Champions League but I don't think that um, the financial knock-on effect apart that is going to be you know the critical issue of whether United next year going to be in the Champions League or not and y- you know that we might only find out at the end of August because United yeah. could very well go on and win the win the Europa League. So I don't think that's gonna be that's gonna be the decisive factor. Okay. Moving on to some questions from from people on Twitter. Thank you to the listeners for who, who have obviously come in there in their wells um, to to uh, submit questions. We've got a few that we've picked out for you to answer, Raphael. Uh, the first one's from United Dino. He asks, "What areas of the squad do you think Manchester United should strengthen this summer, and who would be best suited for those areas?" I know we've touched on a few names already. Yeah, I I would see some strengthening at the back. I think um, the left back slot is still. Um, slightly open yeah. uh, in my view I think Luke Shaw is, is good but perhaps not quite strong enough for United to go all the way again to be really competitive both in the in the Premier League and in the Champions League in a couple of years time I think the centre-back situation we already talked about I think that Jaden Sancho on the right side of a of a of a front three or a front four whatever system you want to play would be a hugely um, impactful addition because there hasn't been, for, for a team that's been so defined by its wing play, I think United have been strangely um, underwhelming, I would say, in those areas mm. uh, over the last five, six years. And 
I think, to strengthen that side of things and to have a player that people get really excited about every time he picks up the ball and starts dribbling would do a lot for United in, in all in all sorts of aspects. And he's English as well, which I think is, is always a, a real bonus for, for a team like United who wants to sort of also build the dressing room culture. Mm. So, yeah, these are... These are the these are the positions. These are the players. Um, there's of course I think increasing talk about David de Gea and whether United need an upgrade there. Um, I mean goalkeepers are notoriously difficult to replace at this level. Yeah. But I think it's something that United will at least have to look at, uh, if not maybe this summer than next. Mm. It's funny you talk about the left back slot there, and it sort of reminded me of you know um, sort of who the best left backs are right now. Alfonso Davies being one of them. You know, massively impressing the Bundesliga. You know, a man that Manchester United missed out on all those years ago, wasn't it? I think three years ago we had a trial with him and, and ended up missing out on him. So it's a shame that, that he didn't sort of come in and he would have that would have been sort of sorted for a few years now because obviously he looks like a massive talent, as I'm sure you agree, um, for Bayern. Uh, moving on to another question. Uh, we've got Mayank who asks, what's the situation with Ajax's Donny van der Beek? Obviously another man that's been heavily linked with United. I don't know is the answer. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, he's someone that's been linked Sorry. heavily. Obviously, it's been sort of between him and him and Jack Grealish. You know, the two men that've sort of been linked as a as a sort of backup depth player. Um, so yeah, no, obviously there you go. You don't know. So there we go. Moving on to another question, we've got United Centro. He asks this: um, If Paul Pogba signs a new deal at United, will that rule out a move for someone like Grealish on Havertz? And he adds: Can you ask Raphael if he has anything on Pogba's situation? Um, not personally, I can only go by what um, what some of my colleagues have reported. Um, there is, I think, more room, of course, on the wage bill if Pogba does, does decide to leave. Mm. But I think it's going to be very difficult, even if he doesn't renew his contract, to get any real money from him because the wages make it so prohibitive uh, for any club to pick him up right now. So in in theory, him not signing a deal would would increase the chances of somebody else um, coming in. But I think in reality, it doesn't really change anything because you're still, in all likelihood, going to be stuck with him in inverted commas if he doesn't want, even if he doesn't want to renew. So I don't think it has a direct impact on whether Harvard or not comes. I think, as I said, I think United, um, being aware of the financial situation, are targeting maybe one big transfer. And even that is still, I think, a question mark whether they can do it. But I think it's very, very difficult to anticipate uh, two two transfers of the size of you know Sancho or Harvard's happening. I think it'll be one or the other, and I think Sancho is, is the much more realistic option at this point. Mm. Raphael, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been really interesting to get your insight on everything. Uh, I'm not sure if you've got any last words for the listeners. Uh, no, just um, I hope you keep... Uh, Following me on, on uh, Honigstein at Twitter um, and, and check out my colleagues at The Athletic. We'll try to give you um, the best possible stories and the background and all the kind of stuff. And sorry if I didn't have all the answers, but um, it's better to be be honest and to <laughs> pretend no, that you know everything. Yeah, of course. No worries. Thank you. Raphael, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers.